0: Your love is great.
1: turn to your neighbor. Just greet each other as we're here today. Thanks for being with us. Okay. Well, I guess we're the understand we're just greeting all day we're glad to have you here with us as we continue worshiping and just um knowing that god is the one that is here with us he is the one that reigns supreme he is the one that is our firm foundation he is the one thing that remains as we sing this song let's praise jesus this morning and just lift his name on high he is worthy of all of our praise
0: i ja. ja.
1: God's love never fails. Have you ever felt that somebody's love have failed on you? God's love never fails. And he is the one that brings us the joy and the peace to the hopeless, to the restless. He gives us that joy and peace like none other. As we begin, I want you to just kind of think of a brook, maybe a brook that's just running. Just maybe close your eyes and just as Lindsay plays here, just the still calmness of a brook that runs and how God wants us to just be still beside the waters and just listen and hear his voice That's what, as we sing this song, what we want you to do, just listen for his voice this morning.
0: Oh, you bring hope to the hopeless and light to those in the darkness and death to life. Now I'm alive. Oh, you give peace to the restless and joy to homes that are broken. I see you now in you. open my eyes to see all the wonder and all of Christ in me. Jesus you're everything I need. Don't
2: Crossroads. Aren't you glad to be here? We're glad that you're here this morning. I'd like to ask you at this time to please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. We appreciate that. That helps us to be able to minister to you and your wife, uh, you and your family better. So if you would please pass the friendship folders, the little black folders down the aisle. Okay. Um, our, the mission of our church, Crossroads Ministries, we exist to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And we're thanking God for what he's doing here at the church. He's, he's growing us deeper and he's growing us wider at the same time. Uh, we're growing deeper in our faith, and we're growing wider. as More and more people are coming to Christ, so I want to encourage you as you're a part of that mission. Thank you for your faithful support and for your participation here at the church. Wednesday nights have kicked off, and things are going exceptionally well. Our, our Wednesday night uh, clubhouse kids, if you have a, a kid in fifth grade and under, they meet downstairs. Um, then our Teenage Ministry, God's doing something new over there. I stopped in over there at Connect Students, and we had a full house over there this week. And that's over at our Straight Street building over in Library. So I would encourage you, if you if you know any teenagers, send them on over and just check out what God's doing over there. And uh, and then we have a men's group and a women's group up here. So we're we're thanking God for all that He's doing at the church and uh, how He's moving greatly. We have a, we have an event coming up here on Wednesday evening, the 26th of October. That's just a few weeks away, and we need more and more people who will come and, uh, and help us to make this a successful event. Trunk and Treat is a, is an event where you get to come and hand out candy to kids. And so as you come and you hand out that candy, you just pull up your car, and uh, you pull up your trunk, sit right next to your trunk, and, uh, and be able to hand out candy out of the trunk of your car. So we want to encourage you to be a, be a part of that. We could use another 20 or 30 people to sign up for that to help out. Uh, so if you would just stop by the table in the back of the auditorium and you can fill out a form there, or if you want to just take out your phone right now, you can go to crossroadsministries.com forward slash Serve, and, uh, and that would be a great help to us here. And just let us know that you'll be able to serve and hand out candy on that night would be a, a big help to us. Then I want to encourage everybody to get in the game, okay? As, uh, we want everybody in our church to, to get in the game. Get off the bench and get in the game. Um, we want everybody to serve. As you look inside your bulletin, there's a, a, a little form there. It says, you know, get, I, I want uh, a hashtag, I love my church, give you an opportunity to serve. If you'd like to be able to serve in any of those areas, please check Mark off and, uh, and we'll, pl- we'll have somebody get a hold of you as soon as possible to help you get plugged in. I want you to look up here on our stage this morning. Our drummer, maybe we got a little more light on that side, I don't know. But our drummer over here, this is Xavier. All right, now we want the no light, all right. Xavier Snyder, there we are. He's, he's in sixth grade filling in on the drums. Would you give him a hand? Man. Our, uh, our, our regular drummer who's up here every week, Eric, he went on vacation for a few weeks down to Orlando and got to meet a hurricane, but he, they're doing all right down there. But uh, Xavier filled in last week, this week, and man, I'm thanking God we have young people in our church stepping up to serve. And then over here, we have two of our seniors in high school. This is Hunter. Step out into the light, guys, all right? This is Hunter and Hannah. Let's give them a hand, man. I want to thank God. Um, They're not waiting until they graduate high school to serve. This is the command of Christ. Go out and serve. Uh, So I want to encourage all those of you out there that have graduated high school learn from our kids, all right? And jump in and serve. And you say, well, I don't have enough time. You'll figure this thing out. You just, you take, take and deal with each excuse why you think you couldn't serve and start to say, all right, I'm going to step out in faith and serve. So if you, if you would mind filling out that form, drop it in the offering plate. You can put it in the offering box on your way out today. Drop it at the back table. Go online, sign up to serve. We're, we're so thankful for all that God is doing in this place. And and more and more people are plugging in and serving. It's a fantastic place uh, to get involved here. And so Rhonda's going to share a little bit about life groups. We're, we're thanking God about the, the life groups that we have that are uh, in, and right now getting ready to start.
1: We are really excited about life groups. If you don't know what a life group is, it's a group, a small group, of five to 12 people getting together and doing life together. We want you to be a part of that. There is a life group for every one of you in this church. And what it is, is sometimes I'm sure you come in and sit and you maybe just leave and you don't know anybody in the church or you just know a few couple and you're thinking, I'd like to know some more people that's maybe in my same life stage. Whether you are um, single, married, have kids, whether you are a widow. Um, we have a couple um, or or have preschoolers, you know, that age, we have a couple groups um, for for each one of you to be a part of. Um, We also have um, a group of, um, life group of encouragement. What that group is, it is a group that um, if you enjoy encouraging people and praying for people and Going to see uh, people in the hospital and sending cards. is a group for you. We also have a hashtag what group, W-H-A-T. We have a teenager. And that is a group for moms that have teenagers and they're trying to figure out how in the world do we survive the teenage years. We have a group for every one of you. And what we want to do is we want to have a launch um, on Monday night, October 17th, for everyone that signs up for a life group or if you'd like to be a part of a life group. And we will kind of lay out a whole vision for you to what is this all about so that we can connect with God, we can connect with each other, and we can connect with our community. So that is something we really, if you have questions, we have a sign-up in the back room, or you can call the church and ask for me, and we would um, answer any questions. But we are really excited about what God's going to do to make a difference in our lives and our community.
2: Sign up for a, uh, if you'd like to sign up, stop by the table there afterwards. Or go to the website, crossroadsministries.com forward slash life groups and, uh, and you can just digitally sign up and we'll get your information. We, we just want to plug everybody in and, and let everybody have this opportunity to experience the community of the church. And then last but not least, I'm holding up a box. This is our shoe box. Operation Christmas Child. Uh, the boxes are in the foyer. I'd like to encourage everybody to take, take a box or two or three or four and, uh, or maybe ten. Whatever God leads you to do. And, uh, and take them home and fill them up. These boxes then come in and they get sent around the world. The directions are inside. There's a pamphlet inside that tells you what to do and uh, suggestions how to fill it, how to label it, or are you gonna fix it for a boy or for a girl? And uh, and then, then you come in. I think if you pay the shipping, shipping is like $7. If you pay the shipping, you can uh, you can track where your package is gone to. You can see what country, I think down to the town, where your package is, is going to. So take those boxes and let's fill them up. Last year, our church hand, uh, brought in over 400 boxes. Isn't that exciting? So I want to I encourage you this year. I'd like to see us go to 500 boxes. And let's just see what God is going to do. Take them and fill them up, and uh, we'll just watch God be God use us to bless other people. Fernando Basler, our, one of our missionaries in Ecuador, was here just a few weeks ago. And in one of the services, he shared how the how that they hand out these boxes. They have to, he has to pay a dollar to receive them because that's the government tax in Ecuador. They, they charge him a dollar tax for him to receive them. So he rounded up enough to get 300 of these boxes. And in the area where he planted a church, he hands out these boxes and he said, the kids line up, they have to, they, they have to be careful because they just don't have enough to meet the need. And I thought how exciting it is that we're, we actually got to see somebody on the other end who's actually handing these out somebody who's, uh, who's, who's doing the work of what we're putting this into. And he says there are so many people that come to this church now. People have been saved. People have become believers because somebody on our side cared, prayed over it, put something in a box, and sent it over there, and they were able to hand it out in the name of Jesus. So I want to encourage you, grab as many of these as you can, and uh, let's watch what God will do. This time I'd like to call our ushers forward. Let's receive the morning offering. As we receive our offering, I just want to encourage you. Uh, God has been good. He's moving mightily. And uh, as we give unto him this morning, um, if you're our guest today, we welcome you here. And I welcome you to allow that to pass you by because the church is, uh, is not about money. We're here. Uh, we're all about Jesus here. And uh, so this is for those that are growing in the grace of giving. So as we give unto the Lord, um, let's worship him, shall we? Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. God, thank you for the way that you are moving in each life, how that you're moving in our church, and you're you're causing us to become more and more like you. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your, your compassion. Thank you for the way that you provided for us. You are Jehovah Jireh, our God provides. And Lord, as we pause and we take time in our service this morning to give back to you, We ask that you'll be honored and adored. In your precious name we pray, amen. So we've been doing a series, hashtag I love my church, and uh, there's a few shirts left out there. Today will be the last of our series. It's been, been a fun time to just uh, pause and look at what, what makes us tick around here. Uh, why do I love my church? Christ loved the church, so therefore it's okay for us to love the church. He, he taught us, this is, you should love your husbands, you should love your wives, as Christ loved the church. So if he loves the church, it's kind of important for us to love the church. And so we've, we took a little bit of time. We've been, we said that, listen, um, Jesus said, I will build my church. And he said that in the context of a town where people just have the, the messiest of lives. And what he was saying, when he said that in that context, he said, I will build my church. When he said that in that context, he's saying, I will build my church and this is who it's for. It is for people that have messed up lives. It's for people that have mess. And God takes our mess and transforms us into his likeness. And so God doesn't say, you know what, I'll love you if you transform yourself. I'll love you if you promise to change. No. He says, I love you. And that's why we're here together. That's why we gather on Sunday in and Sunday out because we are here because we have been loved by a perfect God who loves us in our mess, who loves us and cares for us. And then we we took another week and we looked one week and we said that as we're growing and we're trying to to make uh, progress in our spiritual life, we need to come alongside other people. We need people to come alongside of us and encourage us we need the, the accountability. And so when I'm involved in relationships, when I have a group that I'm connected to, that's accountability. Uh, just being here is a light form of accountability. People notice that you're here. They notice when you're not here. That's a light form of accountability. When we get into the next tier of accountability, now I can be open. I can be honest. Things that I'm struggling with. You may struggle with doubt. You may struggle with many things. It's okay. We're, this is a place where you can talk about your doubt. You can talk about your struggle. You can be real. Because Jesus said, I love you in your real state. You don't have to perform for me to love you. And that, and that now is how we are to love each other in the body of Christ. That is how we're called that we would, would be caring and loving each other unconditionally. And I find that that's probably the biggest challenge, isn't it? Because sometimes we let each other down on our expectation of each other. Have you ever noticed that? Um, I can't even keep up with the expectations in my family, yet alone with the expectations of other people outside of my family. And so in, in the church, we have, we, we're growing and we're learning how to love and accept people. We don't pass judgment. We accept people for who they are, where they are at, with a mess, because that's how God accepted us. And we don't have to change the mess. God changes our mess. And the more you fall in love with God, the more He transforms us. Then last week we talked about the the fact that you, you're saved to serve. God has saved you from your sin, called you to be His masterpiece. He's working on you, and He is transforming you into what He wants you to be. And He's called you to serve. He He saved you unto good works. Good works don't get you into heaven, but He gave you He saved you so that you could do the work that He's called you to do. And so today I want to I want to share with you this that um when that. The, the final thought that I want to share with you today is the reason I love my church is it's all about Jesus. This place up here is all about Jesus. That's why we're here, because everything that we do is all about Jesus. You know, we sing a few songs every Sunday morning. The purpose of those few songs is not, uh, is not to just pass some time, but it's to lift up Jesus. It's not to give you time to get into the, uh, in from the parking lot. It's to lift up Jesus. That's what, what we're trying to do in this place. Everything we do here is about Jesus. Um, when somebody says hi to you on the parking lot and greets you and, and gives you a, a warm, friendly handshake, welcoming you. Somebody welcomes your child into their room downstairs. Somebody welcomes you into the foyer. Everything that we do here, we're trying to lift Jesus up. So he has given us, and we're excited about lifting him up because we're thrilled to be his child. We're thrilled to be in his family, part of his kingdom. And so he's called us to be out there and to be serving, to, uh, to make a difference. Luke 19.10 gives us the heartbeat of Jesus. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This was the mission of Jesus. That's why he came. He came to seek and to save. He came to look for to find people and bring them unto himself, those which are lost. That includes me. That includes you. When he's talking about lost, we're lost in our sin. Turn the lights off and try to navigate without seeing. You're lost. You can't find your way. And that's what God says in our sin, without Christ, because he's the light. He's the light of the world. When he comes into our life, he turns on the light, and we can now see we can see clear we can watch him working in our life so so the mission of the church the very dna of why jesus is what what he left us to do he didn't leave us just to come up and have this holy huddle on the hill he didn't let, have us come up and say okay now this is where all all the people who are followers and nobody else gets together no he brought us together with a mission and he says this is my movement my church my called out movement and he's brought us with a mission to seek and to save those who are lost. It was the very last words that Jesus said before He sent it into heaven was to go and make disciples. Now this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to ask you to turn to John chapter one. Verse 35 is where we're going to begin reading, John 1:35. And we're going to look here at a, an exciting story that will encourage you this morning uh, along, the, along the DNA that God left us with. Jesus left us with his DNA. It's it's inbred into us that people who have a relationship with Jesus help other people find a relationship with Jesus. You've been found by God. He's going to use you to help other people find God. Uh, John 1.35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, let me share with you a little bit what's happening here. There's two Johns here. You see John, it says John one thirty-five. That's the guy who wrote the book. His name was John. He was an eyewitness of Jesus' life. He was there uh, through, through all of his public ministry and, mo- and what we see of John, the book of John is his eyewitness account. So most of the time when John is referring to himself, the author, he'll say something like, John the beloved, John the disciple whom Christ loved. You know, he's kind of, telling you it's him without coming out and saying, yeah, that's me, that's John. But here he says, the following day, John. So this is a different John. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. So you had Jesus and John the Baptist. If you go into Matthew chapter 1, you can read about how, that, uh, how that Jesus, the timing of Jesus' birth and the timing of his cousin John, John the Baptist as we know him. And John was known as John the Baptist because he, he was baptizing people. He preached the message of repentance. He said, turn from your sins and turn to God. Turn from the law and turn to God. He was trying to get people to have a new beginning, a new beginning in God. The Jewish had a, a form of baptism. They, they didn't call it baptism. They had another name for it. But uh, in, in the Jewish culture, they would they would baptize people, this ritual, and it symbolized a new beginning. But when Jesus came... What we do for baptism today is not just a new beginning. It is indeed a new beginning. But it, it's an outward sign of an inward decision. Baptism doesn't get you to heaven. I always tell people, it'll get you wet. Okay? It, it, it's not going to get you to heaven. It's going to get you wet. But it is, it, it's the next step. If you've not yet been baptized, I want to encourage you if you're a follower of Jesus, the next step is to become baptized. And that's where we, we have, we have, we'll baptize you. We have our. Our tank is right behind there, and, we, and we, take the, we take you and we put your head under the water and bring you back up, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And it's symbolic. It's telling the world, I'm identifying with Jesus. Jesus died for me. I am his follower. But John the Baptist, he was bringing people and he was baptizing them before Jesus even started his public ministry. So if you read a few verses before, some of the Pharisees were like, who are you? John, who are you? They're sending, they're sending people to pick his brain. Who is this guy, John? Why, uh, why is he baptizing? What is he doing? And so they're going in, they're, they're picking the brain of John the Baptist and want to see if he thinks he's the Messiah. What is this all about? But look at what happens here. Here's John the Baptist. John had his own movement. John had a crowd that followed him everywhere he went because he taught them turn to God. And as people turn to God, he symbolized it with a new beginning of baptism. That's John the Baptist. So John has his own movement and people are following him. And look, Jesus walked by and John says, look, there is the Lamb of God. There is the Messiah. There is the Christ. And so what he did was he took the attention off of John and put it on to Jesus. Now, this is the mission of the church. Every Sunday when you come in here, this place is all about Jesus. It's not about the band. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the kids ministry or the youth group or any other endeavor that we are doing. It's not about any of those things. It is all about Jesus. So when you come in here, my prayer, our prayer as a team is that you walk away from here, that you have been touched by Jesus Christ. He is alive, and He is well, and He is working in your life. And so what what I want to see is that when you walk out of this place, God does His transformational work in your life. And you're not conforming to some set of making somebody happy. You're conforming to Christ. You're growing in Him, and you're letting Him change and transform your life. He says, look, there's the Lamb of God. That's what we do as a church. We say, look, there is the Lamb of God. Here we are. And then the apost- uh, John the Baptist here, he said over in John 3.30, he says, I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He said that Jesus must become greater and greater. In other words, uh, Jesus has to get the attention more than me. And I want to encourage you in your life. You want to have health in your relationships. You want to have health in, in your work. Health everywhere. Here, here, here it is. Become more of Christ. Let Christ have more center stage. Because this is what John was doing. John, he had his ministry. He had his own little gathering. He had his own following. And the light's on John. So John says, okay, I'm stepping back. The lights are on Jesus. Look, there is the Lamb of God. So he had, he had these people that were following him, and he puts them up there, and he says, these, this is the Lamb of God. I want you to realize it's not about me. Uh, we're, and that's what we do here at our church. We're not trying to build our name. We're trying to build his name. We're not trying to build our movement. We're trying to build his movement. We're pointing people to Jesus. And Jesus, uh, the spotlight is on Jesus every Sunday, everything that we do in this church. Uh, verse 37 here, okay? John 1, th- uh, When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Uh, now, he has his own movement. He has these two disciples there with him. And what does he do? He, follow, he, he points them, and without even questioning, the two disciples go follow Jesus. Here's what that is. That's called relational investment. He had invested in the relationship. He had these two guys that he poured his life into. He had been teaching them. Uh, they, were, they were following him. They, it says that John's, uh, let's go to verse 37 up there on the screen. 137. It says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. If we could find it back there. We don't have 37? Okay. I have it though. All right. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. It says, when they heard this, they followed Jesus. Um it says that they were John's disciples. So John says, Look, these are my friends. These are the people I poured my life into. They've been learning from me. Now follow the Messiah. I want to encourage you. Our mission here is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Would you say that with me? To bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's say that again. To bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. So here's how you do that. You invest in relationships. You have people in your life that God has placed you alongside of. Maybe there are people at your company, people where you work, uh, people in your neighborhood, people in your family, people that you are invested in relationally. And God's called us to invest into those relationships. As we pour into those relationships, guess what now? They're going to listen to you. It's amazing what happens. He says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Here's what happens. When you, ha- when you have a good thing, have you ever noticed what happens? If you have something good, you love to share it. Did you ever notice that? If I ask you what's the best car out there, you're going to tell me the car that you're driving. Oh yeah, I just got this Honda. I just got this Nissan. I just got this Chevy. I mean, you're going to go on, you're going to tell us what it is. Over the summer here I found a uh, found some of the best food I ever found in my life. It was incredible. It was uh, Hogfather's. Anybody ever heard of Hogfather's? Okay? Raise your hand, all right? Maybe 3 of you. Okay, all right, the few honest people out there, all right? I uh, I was at an event and they had it, their meal was catered by Hogfather's. It was pulled pork. I come home, I told my wife, I said, That is the best pulled pork sandwich I ever had in my life. And she's like rolling her eyes, you know, give me that whole deal. I said, You we have got to go to Hogfathers. So a week later, what do I do? I take her and I drag her out. I find Hogfathers in Washington. You drive by Hogfathers in Washington, and I pull in and she goes, Ew, we're gonna eat here. I said, Yeah, and you're gonna love it. You are gonna love it. So I went in there and I'll tell you what, I'll never forget. We're sitting there, and it's, it's not far from where her parents live, where she grew up, and we're, and we're eating this Hogfather's, you know, and I'm like, this is the best beef brisket sandwich I've ever had in my life. I mean, it was like mouthwatering. I was like, I never had beef brisket before. I didn't even know what it was. All I knew was this is incredible. So guess what? We left, and we're on the way home. We call her family. She calls her mom and dad. So the in-laws, a week later, we go out, and we go to Hogfather's with the in-laws and I'm telling you, we're sitting there, I'm having beef brisket. They're all having pulled pork. My father-in-law, he's got this beef brisket, and he is just smiling from ear to ear. I've never seen him so happy in all my life. I mean, this beef brisket is so good. I think it's a cure for diabetes. It's incredible, all right? This is incredible. So we're out there, we're eating it, and then, so we leave, and then I hear that my father-in-law gets excited about it. What's he do? He's got my other brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. They go to Hog Fathers all the time without us. I'm like, hey, you could have at least invited me back, you know? I need a finder's fee here, you know? But anyhow, so, so listen, that we love to do what we share. That's what we do with whenever we bring people to Christ. We go out and we share. Uh, th- th- that's what happens. We go out and we share with them about the good news. We tell them how good this is. This is a... This is, I invest in the relationship, and then whenever I, whenever I tell my friends something, they're going to believe me because I'm real. And your friends will believe you because you're real. See, my father-in-law believed hog fathers because I tasted hog fathers. And he knows I'm a fine connoisseur of food. Now, he's referring other people. Your friends will follow Jesus because you said, look, there's the Messiah. They will follow Jesus because you're real and you care for them. You don't have to preach to them. You have to be with them. You have to care for them. You have to love them. You have to build relationships. You don't pass judgment on anybody because God's not passing judgment on us. He loves you unconditionally for who you are. And so John points them to the Messiah, and they immediately go and they follow. And look what happens next. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? What do you want? Uh, It's very interesting. They come and they get so close to them. Rabbis were known. Uh, A rabbi would... Would be teaching all the time, and they were known to have their understudies with them. Their little group, their little followers, would always be with them. And there was a little st- saying that the that they, that they had in a Jewish faith uh, that if you were at part, how close you were to the rabbi, you got covered in the dust of the rabbi. All right. So when you got covered in the dust of the rabbi, that means these these little followers, they were right there. They wanted to hear right exactly what's saying. And whenever the, whenever the rabbi would put his foot down, and boom, a plume of smoke would come out, the dust would come up and cover them. That's what they were saying, that they were that close. Jesus looked around, and there they are. They're right there. They want to know what he's all about. They said, follow Jesus. And that, that's what we're all about. We're pointing you to Jesus. I want you to be close to Jesus. I want you to be in his dust. But these guys are right there. And Jesus says, what do you want? One author says this that Jesus was re- willing and ready to hear and answer what they needed. And in your life, Jesus is there. He's waiting and He's willing. He wants to hear what you need. He's not necessarily saying, you've got to come and, and you have to check off some list. He's saying, no, what is it? What's going on in your life? What do you need? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? And when you come to Him like that, and you just tell Jesus, look, this is what I'm seeking. You know, many people, the first time they start following Christ, they're not even seeking Him. They're seeking, I have a pain in my life. I need this pain fixed. I need, I need loneliness cured. I need, and, and God says that we can talk to Him about that. For many, that's the beginning of their relationship with God. And so what we have to do is we have to come before Him, and we have to understand He is asking your friend, He's asking you, what do you need? And he asked, them, uh, he asked them, then he replies, Rabbi, uh, then they replied, the, the two followers, these two new followers, they replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? Didn't your mother always tell you, don't answer a question with a question, you know? Uh, so he answers, uh, these two guys answer Jesus' question with a question. Where are you staying? In other words, you're saying, we want to know what makes you tick. We want to be there. We want to know everything like any typical rabbi would, we, like any followers of a typical rabbi, they want to know what, what is it that what more wisdom will he, will he be able to, to give them? Verse 39. "Come and see," he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Uh, he says, "Come and see." He says, he says "I have nothing to hide." Come and see what, where I am staying. Come and hang out with me. And you know what? Those, those disciples, these new followers of Jesus, they were there and, and they were expecting to have another lesson. To have some really good teaching. But Jesus took it a step beyond really good teaching and he gave them a relationship. You see, four, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the teaching hours were done. 4 o'clock in the afternoon, he says, Sure, come on over. It would be like me saying to you, sure, come on, stop by my house. We're having pulled pork tonight. Hog fathers. Stop by our house. Stop on over and spend the evening with us. We'll have coffee and we'll sit around the fire in the backyard. We'll just hang out and be together. And so what he did was he invited them to a relationship with Jesus. Come and see. Come and see what I'm really all about. And that's what God's called us to do. Uh, we, we, we're followers of Christ. Come and see what he's all about. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. We don't know the name of the other follower, but we do know one of them was Andrew. It was Simon's, Simon's brother. Now look here, verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. We have found Messiah. Jesus. We found the one who will transform our life. We have found him. God finds Andrew. Andrew's first move is to go out and find his brother. It was that simple. And he said, all right, look, we have found the Messiah. He found us. We, got, we haven't been in touch with the Messiah. And he goes out and he finds his brother. He says, come on with me. And then Andrew, verse 42. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. He renamed him Peter. And now check this out. Simon, up until this point, he was just a fisherman in a small community. He was a fisherman that nobody ever talked to, nobody ever knew. He was just a side scene there. And now here here he is. Andrew comes and finds the Messiah. And Andrew, the very first thing he does, he goes and finds his brother. He says, brother, come, we have found the Messiah. And he points his finger to Jesus again, just like we do every Sunday. We're pointing up to Jesus. Here he is. This is the Messiah. This is the one who will transform your life. He will change you. He will make you into his likeness. And he goes and he brings them. Now, up until that point, nobody knew Simon. And God did something transformational right there. He gave him a new name. Whenever you get a new name, that was significant of the change that was taking place. In the, in the Hebrew culture, whenever they had a name, they would try to live up to that name. And so he transformed them from being Simon to Peter, which means rock. And Simon was anything but a rock. And that day, Jesus transforms them and turns him into Peter. And Peter is used by God. And if you'll remember, on the opening day of the church, who was the man who gave a sermon? And 3,000 people got saved on that day. It was Peter. Why? Because God transformed him. Why? Because Andrew cared enough about his brother to say, come with me. Here's Jesus. And that's what we're doing here. Do you know, when we have our kids' ministry downstairs, do you understand, when we come in, that your child gets dropped off down there, we're saying, here's Jesus. He'll change your life. And and they're five years old. They're ten years old. We're helping them. We're there every step of the way. When we go over to the student ministry, do you know what we're trying to do? We're saying, here's Jesus look. He'll change your life. Uh, And do you realize whenever we come into these life groups, whenever you come in here on Sunday, we're saying, here's Jesus. This is who he is. And we have to keep being reminded of this. You know, it's not something that you just get reminded of once. I need reminded all the time. Here's Jesus. This This is who I need. And we're coming alongside of each other and we're helping each other. But when we realize that we have been found by God, when we realize that we're the ones who have been found, then we go out and we find other people. Found people, find people. When God has found you, you'll go out and find people. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Listen, that's all you do is you bring them to meet Jesus. It's like the beef brisket sandwich. You go out and say, man, I had the best tasting sandwich, and then all of a sudden I got all kinds of people going to get that sandwich. And when you do that about God, all of a sudden you start to fill rows in church. You start to get excited because it's no longer about what you're getting out of church. It's about who we're bringing to Christ. You see the difference? When I, when I look at what I'm getting only, that's, that's phase one. The next phase is, okay, What? this is Jesus. I got the point, my friend. My friend needs Jesus. My friend, uh, listen, I don't know how to tell you. I can't explain it all, but I'm telling you, come and hang out with Jesus because he will transform your life. Come and check out this church we're going to. They're up on a hill. They're nice people. They talk about sandwiches all the time. They're good people. Just come and hang out with us. And see, you might like the band. They're pretty cool. Uh, we're having fun up there. And watch what God will do. Now, let, let me show you a little, uh, couple thoughts here. A couple thoughts here as we, as we close today. Number one is to love people where you live. I want to encourage you to love people where you live. You see, whenever they came up to Jesus... He says, what do you want? And they said, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come on in. And I want to encourage you. Some of you are involved in uh, in your kids' programs at school. You're in the PTA. You're in the basketball clubs, the soccer clubs. I want to encourage you, stay involved out there. And love people where you're at. Because God has a mission field right there, and he wants you to pour into those people. He wants you to care for them. He wants you to love them. He wants you to pray for them. When I first started coaching softball, when my, when my daughters were just eight, eight and under, I think Chris was like six years old, I started my career as a softball coach, right? Uh, I'll never forget. I started praying for a man, and he's in our church this morning, Rich Tomoski. His daughter was on my team. And I took Rich, and I started praying over him. I had, and I wasn't, I'll tell you what, I wasn't even super spiritual. I just took the roster from all the kids that used, when they get up the bat, you know? I took that home, and that was my prayer list. And I still have that in my garage downstairs. I wasn't even fancy enough to keep it with my Bible. I just prayed over it. And Rich Domoski is one of those people that's in the church now. And I'm excited about that. He's, he's been here for off and on for years. And God's working in his life. But that's when we first became friends. At least, that's what I thought it was, right? <laughs> All right? That's when we first became friends. And, and listen, God did a transformation. So when Rich had some things in his life, I said, look, there's Jesus. And he got Jesus, and God transformed his life. God wants to use you out there. Maybe there's people in your area of life. Maybe it's somebody in the cubicle next to you at work. And then you start to invite them, okay? Love people where you're at. And then we start to invite people, and we bring them to Christ. Invite them to Jesus. Faith finds friends and family. It always comes, you know, faith will find friends and family first. When you're thinking about, uh, about your faith and how it grows, you immediately go to those that you love the most. You want them first to have it. But there's one problem with that. Those people who know you the most, they really know you the most. They know all your mistakes. They know whenever you said things you shouldn't say. They know the problems that you struggle with. And if some of your family is saying to you, well, hey, listen, uh, how, how, how can you call yourself a Christian? You have these problems. You say, listen, come on up to my church. We're all people with messes. Yeah, I own it. Own up to it. Yeah, listen, I'm struggling in that area. I have a problem with my mouth. I say things I shouldn't say. I have a problem in this area. I, I, I'm really struggling there. But I want you to come up, with our, come up with us because we're worshiping a perfect God. And I'll show you a whole room full of unperfect people, people that have problems, that are loved by this unconditional God. So that's how we deal with that. Faith finds friends and family. Uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. Acts 16.31. Uh, then the next thought this morning is uh, not only does faith find friends and family, but uh, bring others where you belong. Tell what you know. Tell what you know. It's that simple. Go and tell what you know. Go and say, hey, listen, come on up. This is, this is, this is my church. This is what God's doing up here. I, I, Jesus did something in my life. You can't even explain it. Just tell what you know. Do you realize when you tell what you know, You can't screw it up. You cannot mess it up. Too many people for so long have said, I'm afraid to to do this because I'm afraid I'll mess it up. I won't do it right. Let me share something with you. I'm afraid every Sunday. I sit down here and I do my thing and I get all these thoughts in my head why I couldn't do this this morning. And before I get up there, I deal with that every Sunday. And every time I go to share out in the community... I have this little bit of fear. I get this thing in my stomach that starts going crazy on me. And guess what? God works. And so I don't let that stop me. I say, okay, all right, we're going to take the next step. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of this because you cannot mess this up. Would you say that with me? I cannot mess this up. I cannot mess this up. You're telling your story. It's like me, you know. Could I know more about Hogfather's Sandwich? Can I tell you about how they cook it? Could I tell you about how mouth-watering it is and, and whole grain buns and gluten-free buns? I could probably get into all that, couldn't I? But I'm telling you, they got the best sandwich in the world. Or at least in Washington, right? But I'm telling you this. When you're pointing people to Jesus, all you've got to say is, look, I can't explain this whole thing, but you're going to love it. You are going to love it. I want you to come sit with me. I'll be, be my guest. I'll sit in the service. What, what time is best for you? 9.30, 11, Saturday? What time is best for you? Uh, they're starting a new series next week. It's on, on how to be successful. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to start talking about, about true success. And, I, I, and you, know, you can bring a friend and say, hey, come with me. They're learning about how to be successful. You want to be successful? Invite somebody. Um, and listen, it's only in your head. So many times those fears are only in our head. Andrew brought simon and jesus changed him to peter don't let that fear stop listen there are simons all around you every one of us have simons they're everywhere they are people that god's placed us by and god's placed you there to say hey here's the messiah that's it you bring them to christ it says that he found him and he brought him to christ you can't transform somebody's life that's the power of god And we take them and we bring them over to Jesus. And that is just so powerful. Um, You know, when you start to do that, you begin to think about church differently. When you see God has transformed one of your friend's life, all of a sudden people become a priority. Because now you'll come and you'll start thinking, you'll be listening to the message through the ears of your friend, hoping that they have a good day today, hoping that it was a pleasant day, hoping that they heard about Jesus. There are 2.4 million people in Western Pennsylvania, in the Pittsburgh tri- the metro area, the Pittsburgh metro area, there are 2.4 million people. You don't have to go on a mission trip to Ecuador to find somebody who needs Jesus. I love going to Ecuador. It's one of my favorite places. I love mission trips. I, I'm already looking for some fun stuff next summer that we should be doing as a church. But I'll tell you what: We need to go across the street as well as across the globe. Because there are people that God has placed right there. And you're having lunch with them, or should be. You know? We should be having dinner, opening up our house. How about this? Imagine if in your neighborhood you had soup night. You said, hey, every Tuesday night or one, first Tuesday of the month, whatever, we're having soup night. Everybody bring a bowl of soup. We're going to have fun. And we'll have soup sampling or whatever. And you just had fun. And you just started to build friendships with your neighbors. Wow, what God could do there. And in the middle of a bowl of soup, maybe after 12 bowls of soup, 12 months of this, whatever, somebody has a need, and you say, hey, there he is. There's the Messiah. He'll change your life. I'm going to share with you a video here this morning. This is Alicia and Mike Curry. They came into our church about a year ago, maybe a year and a half now. And I want you to hear their story.
3: Five years ago, I met my husband. And before that, my life was messy, to say the least. I had found Jesus, and I prayed for the perfect husband. But my husband was everything I didn't ask for. Our first date, he actually told me that he was not the church kind of guy. But somehow, I fell in love with this man. And as we planned our wedding, I expressed my feelings on how important it was to get married by a real pastor, and not just some PA certified marriage personnel. So we started looking for churches. We tried about three different ones before we landed at Crossroads Ministries last October. I was never so nervous in my entire life to go into a church, for I desperately wanted to find one that we could potentially go to as a family, and not just for one Sunday. I said, hey, worst case scenario, we can at least get Dairy Queen after because ice cream makes everything better. We were greeted by the most welcoming people I have ever met. We were unwed and unjudged, and we both immediately felt accepted. From that moment on, we grew together as a couple and as a family. I started attending the adult groups on Wednesday nights church started to feel more like a family the groups on wednesday nights started to be my getaway no matter what life challenges i faced i started to feel less stressed and more alive right before christmas of last year as a family we decided to commit our lives to christ and to grow to be a faithful family by january we were recruited to help out with the children's ministry put right where we belonged in K-1. Still to this day, I feel like my husband and I are growing in our faith just by teaching the children. Last month, we have been set free, leading the second hour K-1 kids to learn and worship without Miss Kim. Without our church, we would not have found Christ, grow in love as a family, have hope for a future, learn to pray without fear, and find a family that makes this area feel a little bit more like home.
0: Because of our joy for our church, my mother now joins us.
3: And my cousins, they've been attending as well. This is why, hashtag I love my church. It has helped our faith and our family grow. It is simply a little blessing in disguise on top of a hill.
0: By the Dairy Queen.
3: By the Dairy Queen. Church has never been a priority, and now we go to first service to learn and second service to serve. What a huge impact a small, like-minded community can have on one tiny little family.
2: Cut! This is what we're all about here. We're all about Jesus. We're all about your... Lives that have been transformed by Christ. Mike and Alicia, their, their normal routine was Sunday morning. They drove past our church to Tracks Farm. And then on the way home, they loved Dairy Queen and they would stop. So God caused Dairy Queen to slow them down enough to see our road sign. And they did this for some time. But all of a sudden, the road sign stood out to them. And then they walked in the door. I'll never forget the first day that they've been here. And God has transformed their life. His mother comes. Her cousins are here. They have a whole row. She's all excited. She goes, I have a whole row. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that what we're all about, folks? That's why I love my church, because this place is filled with transformation. And God's going to use you out there with the people that you're relationally invested into. Just keep poured into those relationships and point them and say, there's the Messiah. Three out of four of the people that you meet at Starbucks, Giant Eagle, target all those places 3 out of 4 of those people that you meet don't have a relationship with Jesus and God God will use you all you got to do is say come look come check this out and if you'll do that watch what God will do and I I want to encourage you because here's what happens after we get into church for a while we forget that mission because we get so comfortable with the party we get so excited about what's happening up here. It's, it's just so fun to be together. And, it, and I have my friends, and I love my friends, but God has a mission. There's 2.4 million people in our area that need Jesus. Not, three out of four of them don't have a relationship with God. And all we've got to do is say, hey, did you check this out? All you've got to do is coach softball and start praying over them and say, hey, you, know, you might want to check this out up there sometime. Uh, it's, it's just that simple. Whatever God has you in, may, what, what, you're in the different things, whatever, whatever God's placed you in, I want to encourage you, use them. Uh, God uses everybody. God uses high school students. He uses children. He uses us as adults. He, there is no age that he can't use you. There's a lady who comes to our church, uh, and I'm going to close with this. She, was, she, she drives in here and uh, every Sunday. She's come here for years. And one day she saw a lady on the, on the side of the road who needed a ride. So she stopped and she picked her up. And she dropped her off at her house. And the lady heard, heard a radio station that was a Christian station. And she said, well, what church do you go to? And the lady in our church said, well, I go up to Crossroads Ministries. And, and she said, could I have a ride? And the lady goes. And she goes and she picks her up every week and brings her to church. God wants to use you. All you have to do is take a step of faith. And you don't even have to preach to them Just say... Would you come along? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to just encourage you with your walk with Christ. I want to encourage you to know him, to grow, to, be, to get so close to that master, to get in the dust of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to take his DNA out and go out into the community and invite people. Bring them to Christ. Think of the people in your life. There are other stories like Mike and Alicia all over this church, people that have come to Christ like that. And we're going to continue to share things like that in days to come because that is the real, real road. That's what life is all about out there is pointing people to Christ. And now they're out and they're filling a row or two in church. And I want to encourage you to get on the mission to go out and and let God use you. It is so incredible whenever you go out and God does something through you. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person here, Lord. I pray for those here today, Lord, that don't have a relationship with you. God, I ask that you would just seek them this morning, that they could understand that you died on the cross, you paid for their sin, you came back to life again, that they may have eternal life. And so God, I pray right now that they would just open their heart to you and just invite you in. God, thank you for the journey that you're starting in their lives this morning. And Father, for for others in this place, God, that that we need to go out and we need to to be thinking about our neighbors and praying about our neighbors and and, and just just looking to be human, to be kind, to be compassionate, to to share a meal, to to share a a hand, to lend, lend some care. God, I pray that you'll transform us as we go out and live on the mission that you've set for us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. God bless you. You are dismissed.